Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. I do want to dive into God's Word this morning. We kind of started a series a couple weeks ago called Finding Jesus in the Old. And this this would be the Old Testament. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the account in Genesis chapter 22. And we were looking at this, I don't want to say story, but, but this account of Abraham and his son Isaac. And if you guys may recall, I know you guys remember pastor sermons every single week. You guys are recalling exactly what I preached on. So the faces out there that look like they're just glazed over that you forgot, but I will give you a quick recap. So we were looking at Genesis chapter 22, and this is the account of Isaac and Abraham. Isaac is the son. Abraham is the father. The Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, you are going to become a father of, of basically of many nations. You're going to be the father of my people. Abraham was very old, and, but Abraham believed God. And then 25 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was very old as well, the Lord gave them a son by the name of Isaac. And then as the son grew up, the Lord spoke to Abraham once again. and said, Abraham, I want you to do this one thing for me. I want you to take your one and only son, that I recognize as your true son, and I want you to take him up on to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. And as you read this story, it's a very, it's a very confusing story. It's a very much like, okay, like, why would God do this? Like, say, what is God doing in the midst of this? But Abraham trusted God throughout the entire process. Abraham believed and knew that if this son, which the promise was going to be coming through, God would have to do something. God would have to work out something for this to be part of God's plan. So God takes his son up to the top of the Mount Moriah. And it just so happens that that same mountain would later become Jerusalem, which would be the same mountain where the temple of God would be built. And Abraham named this place God Will Provide. And that's what God did. Abraham walked in obedience, but this was all foreshadowing which one day God would provide a sacrifice for the people. And we find that in Christ Jesus. That God sent his one and only son into the world to save this world, to be the sacrifice, to be the provision for all people for all of our sins. Well, this week we are going to continue down finding Jesus in the Old Testament here. And this week we are going to be turning to Ezekiel chapter 34. And before we dive into Ezekiel 34, you guys know me. I like to give you a little bit of a background to what is happening. If you have ever read the Old Testament, if you've ever read the prophets, you know this one thing. When you read the prophets, it is some of the most confusing reading you can ever do. And, and I'm going to kind of explain why. So the Old Testament is not in chronological order. So you can't start in Genesis and read through the end and think that you are reading chronologically what is taking place. The Old Testament starts at the beginning, but then as you start to get to First and Second Kings and to the Chronicles, after that, things start to kind of go off of the chronological order because then you're going to get into Ruth and then you're going to get into the Psalms. You're going to get into all of these other books and then you're going to get to the prophets. But see, the prophets all take place 
during the kings of Israel. So when you're reading a prophet book, you need to kind of figure out, okay, what time period was this taking place? What was happening within the nation of Israel at this time to kind of understand why this prophet wrote this book and what the prophet was speaking to at the time. So the prophet Ezekiel, he, he, he writes in a time that's a very dark time in the nation of Israel. Israel had um, forsaken God, which they do constantly within the Old Testament. Um, so they had completely forsaken God. They were, another nation came down and conquered them. Babylon came down, conquered Israel, and hauled off their prime leaders. So this would be coming out of the book of Daniel. So basically, Babylon comes down, they take the best of the best out of Israel, and they haul them off to Babylon. Well, then eight years later, Israelites, who don't like being ruled by this other nation, they said, we're going to do something about this, and they rebelled. They rebelled against Babylon, and guess what happened? They lost. And now Babylon said, we're not just going to take your prime people, we're going to take your king, and we're going to take 10,000 of your people with us to Babylon. And Ezekiel is one of those people that gets hauled off to Babylon. And Ezekiel is writing this book in this time period when, when Israel had abandoned God, they had set up all these different idols, and they were worshiping different gods. And Ezekiel is hauled off to Babylon. And Ezekiel is writing what God is speaking to him. Now, the book of Ezekiel is roughly a 20-year time span here. So this is like 20 years that you got to kind of like put together here. But Ezekiel's job is a terrible job. You do not want to be a prophet in the Old Testament. Let me just tell you why. Because all you have is bad news. <laughs> you are literally writing to God's people saying, here's the deal. You screwed up. And because you, you, you screwed up, and because you had forsaken your God, and because you had bought into the cultural lies at the time, this is what is going to happen to you. And it was just, Ezekiel is just writing bad news. And Ezekiel is now up in, up in Babylon writing back. However, there's a little bit of hope Every single prophet in the Old Testament has some hope for the people of God. So today we are going to look at Ezekiel chapter 34, and we are going to be looking at the hope that he has for God's people. So I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning as we read Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 1 through 10 this morning. This is what the prophet says. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they become they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched and looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has become plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and I will no longer and, and it will no longer be food for them. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to your word today, Father, I ask for you to come and minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Father, come and speak to us today as we look at your prophet here. May we find your son. God, we give you praise now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. So I want to just point out first and foremost, Ezekiel is not speaking about actual shepherds. He is not speaking about the shepherds that are attending the sheep in the fields. Israel is speaking solely against the leadership of Israel at this time. Now, the guy that was in charge, Jeroboam, he was in leadership. He was the king of Israel during this time, during this time frame of Ezekiel writing this letter. And Jeroboam, he was a terrible king. So if you know anything about Israel's history, Israel's history pretty much goes like this. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. It's like, it's just this mixed bag of just good leader, bad leader, good leader, bad leader. Jeroboam, terrible leader. Uh, Jeroboam was, he was the king of Israel, but this is how corrupt Jeroboam was. Jeroboam, when he became in power, his first act in power was that he had two golden calves made, and he set them up in two cities within Israel, and he told the people this, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. Now, if you know anything about Exodus, this was the same phrase Aaron said to the people when Moses was up on the mountain. Jeroboam was so confused on who God was, and he turned the people and turned himself to worshiping golden calves. And the Lord detests this. The Lord says, you shall have no other gods before me. But this is who Jeroboam was. Jeroboam, he was, he was just a terrible king, and he didn't know who God was. He didn't know, he didn't know anything about God, and he basically just brought in the culture of the time of every single nation around Israel and he decided to put up these idols and told the people to worship these things. So Jeroboam is in charge, but as you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he has some things to say against the leaders of Israel. First, 
The Israelite leaders, they did not seek to meet the needs of the people, but only used the people for their own selfish ends. Look at uh, 34.2 here. And uh, Luke, I kind of got it broken up, but if you uh, click on the 34.2b, God says this. He says, Woe to the shepherds of, of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. A shepherd, by definition, is someone who takes care of the flock. And the Lord is speaking to Israel at this time, and he's saying, the leaders, they don't even care about the flock. They don't even care about God's people. That these leaders were only living for purely selfish gain. That they were using the flock for their own personal gain. But second, these leaders were so bad is that they did not take special care of those in need. The helpless, the members of society that were in the lowly position. But rather, they met these lowly people with more cruelty. Look at verse 4. God says this to him. He says, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed or search for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. When the weak, which oftentimes happens, were present, the leaders were not kind to them. In fact, the weak ones, the leaders treated harsh. And God is speaking this to Israel and saying, listen, the leadership here, there's some serious problems going on. They're only in it for their own gain, and they don't even care about God's people. And God is speaking this against them. And the greatest sin that these leaders had was that they lacked moral and spiritual leadership. Like what I said about, about uh, King Jeroboam. He is in charge, and Jeroboam sets up these idols and says, hey, worship these things. The leadership within Israel had become so corrupt and so fallen that God says, woe to these leaders. You leaders that have been ruling my people are just terrible leaders, and God was standing against them. However, look at verse 5. This is what happens when you have terrible leadership. Verse 5 says this, My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched and looked for them. Not only was Israel's leadership lost, but when you have faulty leadership, the sheep that are supposed to be cared for, that are supposed to be taken care of, they get lost as well. And this is what God is speaking against at the time of Jeroboam. Is that, Jeroboam, hey, listen, you're not following God. You're not even caring about the sheep. And in fact, it is so bad that the sheep of Israel, God's people were so lost that they were just scattered. They didn't even know who to turn to or what to do. Now, I do find this a little bit funny because mankind never changes. You, you would think after 2,600 years, that's roughly 
2,600 years ago this was written, you would think that in modern 2020, things and times would change. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just apply this to the, the world that we currently live in, but as you look around our entire world and within our own world, we see leaders everywhere that are corrupt, that are only in power for personal gain. And we see this. And, you know, I, I always find it just kind of funny that how even within our, like, own nation, how do we have people that are supposed to serve us, the people that have been in power 20, 30, 40 years, and they go to this, to this place called Washington, and they all become millionaires. Like, like, and I'm not going on like a, a tangent here on the left or the right, but if you look at our society right now, we have people that are in charge of us that we can easily argue that we live in a very corrupt time. And I find this interesting that times have never changed. Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. That always, there, there will always be people in charge that are going to be corrupt, that are not going to be there for the actual people. And God is speaking against this. And Ezekiel does have good words. Even though Ezekiel starts this off with saying woe to them, look at the next verse. God has a plan. God is not given up. Ezekiel 34, 11. The Lord speaks here. This is what God says. He says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flocks when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day of the clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations, gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all of the settlements of the land. Verse 14, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountains heights of Israel will be their, be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend to my sheep, and I will have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Verse 16, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the, the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You know how many times in these few verses that God says, I will or I myself will take care of my people? Twelve times. Twelve times in these few verses, God says, listen, your leadership is corrupt. They have failed you. They're only there for their own personal gain. But guess what? I, the Lord, will become their shepherd. I will come to my people. I will take care of my people. I will search for the lost sheep. I will look after them. I will rescue them in danger. I will give them a place of rest. I will tend to them. I will watch over them. And I will guide them in righteous justice. And then, when they are injured or bound up, I will take care of them. 
basically God says, I will be their shepherd. And I find this interesting because look where the shepherd is going to come from. Jump down to verse 22. Because God is not done speaking on how he will be their shepherd. Verse 22. God says this, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. Verse 23. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, just to give you a brief recap on time frame, this word was written 385 years after King David had died. So just kind of like, think about this here. King David was the greatest king Israel has ever had. Military-wise, character-wise, he did have some, some uh, shortcomings, but he was a man after God. And Ezekiel writes to God's people and says, listen, I'm going to send you a shepherd. The shepherd is going to be a prince of David. And the people reading this might have been thinking, David's been gone for hundreds of years. <laughs> you know, not just, not just a, you know, like he just died. He had been gone almost 400 years when this word was written to them. But God says, I will place over them a shepherd of David. The circumstances at the time looked very bleak. It was not good for Jerusalem. Um, what also took place during this time, so Babylon came down and conquered Israel and hauled them off to Babylon. Ezekiel writes to them, and actually lets God's people know that, hey, by the way, um, not only do we have a, a terrible leadership and a terrible king, and you guys have forsaken God, and, and you're worshiping all of these idols, but because of that, he writes to them and says, hey, by the way, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is going to fall. And he says, Jerusalem's going to be, just be utterly destroyed. But then, in these texts, he says, listen, but one day, one day God will come down. One day God will come and be the good shepherd. He will come and take care of my people. And many of you are probably thinking about these verses. Turn with me to John 10. The crazy thing about God is that God's timing is never our timing. You know, like, God's timing is never always falls within mankind's vision of how God should work. 600 years later, this is what takes place. John 10, starting in verse 7. Therefore, Jesus again, very truly I say to you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that, that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not 
the shepherd, nor does he own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I think this is quite amazing that as you study God's word and as you look at especially this book of Ezekiel here, they were in such a difficult time frame. God's people were scattered. The sheep were completely lost. The, the leadership was just corrupt. They, they didn't have a good shepherd. And then 600 years later, the bloodline of David, the servant that would come through the household of David, arrives. And Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. I have sheep that I will take care of. And, and I find this interesting, but I also think it is so exciting that, that, that as we see this, God had predicted that one day he will be their shepherd, that one day he would come down, he would take care of God's people, he would look after them, he would watch out for them, he would be their shepherd. And we see this within Scripture that this is exactly who Jesus is. And as I think about Christmas season, as I think about us celebrating Christmas, we need to always remember on who God is. God is the God that desires to take care of his people. That he sent his son into this world so that he would come and rescue us from the corruption around us. And the most amazing thing is, is that us as believers, guys, this world around us can be falling apart. This world around us can have ups and downs. We will always have corrupt leaders. We will always have people in Washington that are only there for their own personal gain. But we, as God's people, we have a different shepherd. We have a shepherd that this world around us desperately needs to understand and who desperately needs to know. And as I think about Christmas, Christmas is about us celebrating what God has done for us. And God sent his son, the good shepherd, into this world to rescue us from the darkness that is taking place around us. And I want to just encourage us this, this Christmas season to be focused on this shepherd. And as you read the Old Testament, you are going to be constantly seeing how God is pointing to his son, how his son Jesus would one day come and rescue us from our present darkness. And I want to leave you with a final thought here. And I find this interesting that scripture is always tied together. You know, like one thing doesn't happen in scripture that just simply stands alone. But scripture is constantly weaved together here. And, and as I think about Ezekiel 34, and as I think about John chapter 10, about how this shepherd, this good shepherd would one day come, I think about how the Lord knew that mankind needed a shepherd 
that would lead his people beside still waters, that he would lead them into good pasture, a shepherd that would restore their souls, one that would, would lead us through the darkest of valleys. So the Lord's sheep don't have to walk in fear because we know our shepherd, we know that his rod and his staff will comfort us. Even though we walk in the midst of our enemies, the Lord will overflow our cup. And we know that goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives because our shepherd has led us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, you are the shepherd that came to us. You are the shepherd that was prophesied about 600 years before you even stepped foot on this earth. God, this Christmas season and every season, Lord, help us to be focused on you. Lord, help us to trust you in the times that we are living in. Help us to know that no matter what is happening around us, that we have a shepherd that desires to lead us. God, you take care of your people. Father, you watch over us. You provide for us. You've done so many miracles in our midst. And Father, help us to be focused on your son this week. Let us look to you every hour. Father, I thank you for how good you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are God that comes to rescue us. Father, we give you praise for your word today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.